0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Private Practice with Sob Podcast. I am so pleased that you're here. Thanks for pushing play on another episode. And, of course, welcome to all of the new subscribers. So, As you can hear, I am back from beautiful Daleswood and uh, raring to go. And it's so much fun for me to do these episodes. And because, guess what happened last night? I got a message in my uh, inbox on Facebook Messenger and it said, hey, you know what, there's this discussion happening in our group about EAPs, you know, might be a good opportunity for you here to do a podcast on it. And I thought, oh, that looks good. I'll have a look at that in the morning. So I jumped in this morning. Absolutely, I'm so excited. So I'm just going to dive right in and not bore you with a boring story about my life. But in saying that, you know me, I do go off on tangents. So who knows? <laughs> you might get some little bit of entertainment as we go along. So my intention with this episode is to provide a little bit of information and education around what EAP is. I want to be able to clarify counselors' expectations around working for an EAP provider as a contractor and uh, for those counsellors who are thinking of starting up as an EAP provider themselves. And we do have members of our group who are doing that at the moment. So, without any further ado, I'm just going to jump straight in and answer some of the questions that are coming up about EAP. So, first off, uh, there's a question about don't I have to be a psychologist to do contracting work for an EAP provider? And the answer is no, you don't. All you need to do is find out who the EAP providers are. And you can do that with a quick Google search. Just go EAP in your area. And then all you're going to do is contact them and you're going to say, hi, I'm interested in working for you as a contractor for EAP. Uh, Can you please share with me some information about how to get started or may I please have an application form to be emailed out? Um, And you will find that there are some that accept counsellors and there are some that don't. Just want to work with the ones, obviously, that will accept counsellors. Usually to work with an EAP provider, you will need to provide them with a copy of your resume. Now, when you're writing your resume, um, don't put every job that you've ever had on there. It's always better with EAP work to stick with work that's relevant to counselling And really expand out the part on your resume that speaks into your knowledge, your skills, and your relevant training. Reiki would not be a relevant training if you're going to be delivering EAP, but something like ACT or CBT, or solution-focused, or critical incident stress, uh, those types of PD would absolutely be very favourably looked upon. And if you're wanting to expand your resume a little bit, I would include the key topics that you covered during that training. If you did a um, course in counselling, maybe it was a diploma, maybe it was a grad dip. Pull out anything from that course and include it in your resume that speaks to your ability to work within a model that is quick because EAP is very short term. So you want to be able to convey to a prospective EAP provider that you know how to work within a short-term model. So do say that if you've got training in it, of course, do say that you have training in short-term models, short-term interventions. Um, things like that will help you compared to a counsellor who puts through a CV that doesn't have all of that stuff on. You will be more likely than that other counsellor to get the the work through the contractor, okay? Now, What is EAP and what will you actually be doing when you're contracting to an EAP provider? Well, you're not doing any assessments. Basically, what's going to happen is the EAP provider is going to contact you when they receive a referral Um, and they're going to contact you because you're in the location or you have the skills and expertise that this particular client has flagged as being necessary uh, to work with. And so you will be contacted by the EAP provider and they will say, hey, we've booked somebody into your diary. And uh, that's how it all starts. Then what happens is you will meet with that person. They sometimes will have signed paperwork uh, with the workplace about the EAP before they meet with you other times providers will require you to print off a consent form and a confidentiality form and have the provider sign or have the client sign that when they're with you then most of the time not all of the time but most providers will require you to do some kind of well it's called a, a like a psychosocial assessment but it's just the DAS 21 which you can print off the internet free of charge but um they will usually want you to do that usually in the first session and again in the last session because they want to see that your intervention has been effective I mean, you and I both know that the DAS is not a measure of uh, intervention effectiveness. It's a snapshot of some person's symptoms on that day. Uh, And you and I both know that moods and symptoms can fluctuate. So I'm just letting you know that you will be required to do that. Um, And you often will be required to fill out some kind of data on a portal for that particular EAP provider uh, around psychogenics. So that will be you know, is this person in the front line? Are they a manager? Is it a customer service-based role? Like you identify the job role. Um, you'll identify, you know, is it the, an employee? How many years have they been with the company? Um, is this an, uh, an employee's family member that's come along? What's the main reason? And it gives you like a drop-down menu of main reasons, And so you have to fill out that information as well. So I'm sharing this with you because you need to know it. Um, You will need to be okay with learning new admin portals and new admin systems. So if you're someone who gets flummoxed easily by different computer programs and things like that, it may take you a little bit longer to feel comfortable and confident using the software that they require you to use but if you're cool with learning new stuff it's not going to be a problem for you so you fill out that and then basically um you usually have three sessions some companies will give you four some companies will give you six in very rare occasions usually with government stuff you might get 12 okay um so you get your three sessions that's the As I said, that's the industry standard. Now, the client is an employee. That client at no time pays for a session, okay? You invoice the provider, not the employer. You invoice the provider that you're contracting to and the provider will pay you. Now, the average rates vary from provider to provider and based on occupation. So it normally goes like this. Psychologists will get about $80, well, $60 to $80. A social worker will usually get $50 to $70. So you can imagine what a counsellor is going to get. It's not that much, right? Um, now, as I said, it varies. And sometimes you can have leeway, wiggle room. Again, that depends on the amount of work that's available. So in some areas, I was absolutely able to negotiate higher rates. However, I was able to do that because there was a strong demand and they didn't have enough psychologists at the time. And then I felt very confident and a little bit cocky and I thought, yeah, I'm going to get more than everybody else for EAP. And what happened was I then negotiated the same rate with all my other providers, um, but the work stopped because they had counsellors that were willing to do the work and undercut the psychologists, including me, and there were psychologists who were willing to do the work for $60 when I was saying I wanted $135. Um, So they just stopped giving me the work because it meant to pay me. It was cutting into their profit, so they gave it to the cheapest psychologists. Anyway, this is how it goes. So no, you don't have to take the $40, $50 or $60 and you can say that you're only going to do it for $80, but you will get less work. So it's something to keep in mind um, because there are conversations that happen in the groups. Some people say, oh, I get no work and other people seem to be getting a lot. A lot of the time that's going to be dependent on your fee because think about it from a business perspective they're getting a session fee and then from that session fee they have to keep you know 25 or 30% to pay for the portal they give you the advertising they do to get you the work the admin they provide for you on the back end processing the payments all of that sort of stuff uh, and profit so they need to keep you know 25 to 30 percent minimum and then they've got to pay a counsellor to deliver the work now if they've got somebody who's going to do it for 60 dollars, and they've got somebody else saying well i'll do it for 100 guess who they're going to give the work to they're going to give it to the cheaper person because it means they get more profit so this is what it looks like from a business perspective from a counselling perspective do not be the cheapest counsellor because what will happen is you'll end up filling your diary really quickly with eap work that number one One, won't sustain you. Number two, can burn you out. And number three, can leave you feeling really devalued. Um, For example, there are counsellors that do the work, do do EAP work for three sessions or four sessions for $45. Now, that isn't enough to cover the costs for them to deliver the service, even if they're working from home. Um, So why do people do it and why is there an interest in doing it? Well, it is an easy way to fill your diary, but it's not, going to, it's not going to give you profit, but it's an easy way to fill your diary. What some counsellors don't understand, though, is they will jump into groups and say you shouldn't do EAP because it doesn't pay and they take advantage of you and things like that. But I believe from a business perspective, and we're in the business of private practice, so let's put our business hats on for a minute. Can you see... That when an EAP provider allocates you a potential client and you get to start working with them and you receive money for working with that client, when it comes to session three or session four, whatever the last session is, you then get to convert that client into a paying client for your practice at your standard session fee. You have that conversation with the client. And so you're going to be saying to that client, you know, listen, we've started the work now. We're already starting to see some signs of progress. The next step will be for us to book in some sessions. Now, as you know, your employer has covered the cost of three sessions. Moving forward, though, we need to go privately or this is what moving forward looks like. And this is what the fee is. Uh, How do you feel about that? Let's get that session booked in. So what's essentially happening from a business sense for you is you are being given hot leads, okay? Now, I know that's not a very therapeutic way of looking at our clients, but as I said, we've got the business head on. Uh, If you were doing Google ads, if you were doing your website tracking, if you're doing Facebook ads, Instagram ads, you're going to be talking about lead generation, prospecting for clients, and that's what I'm talking about here. It's just different lingo. So... You're given a a client who's already met you, already knows you, already likes you, already trusts you. You didn't have to pay to acquire. You didn't have to run a Facebook ad. You didn't have to, you know, go live on your Facebook every day or anything like that. You were given this person... And now they're primed to work with you and continue that work. So the value, as I see it from a business perspective, of accepting an EAP client is that it's filling your diary with paying clients. Uh, it's all going to come down to a couple of things. Number one, how good are you at Um you know encouraging clients to book that next session how good are you with your conversions um what's your mindset like and does the client actually require further sessions like is it ethical um because of course we don't want to be booking in people if they don't need it obviously i just have to cover myself because sometimes people write in uh in response to my show and you know they've got some um comments so i just want to preface that by saying no we're not going to do it if it's not ethical um Okay, so we've discussed briefly too what the um, fees are that you can get as a counsellor, but I guess the other thing that we want to look at here is if you're running a business, it might be worthwhile you considering becoming an EAP provider yourself. Why? I'll tell you why. Uh, from a business perspective, again, it's a better flow of revenue it's an extra stream of revenue to your private practice okay Um, plus you would be in control you would have complete sovereignty over how you created the program what it looks like how you want to deliver it if you start to get um I don't know, maybe you get this great employer and they send you, like they're very proactive and you have a great uptake with the um, employees there that become your clients and you're feeling like, oh, gosh, I don't have enough space to do this. Well, then that's when we look at scaling and scaling would be supporting you in finding another counsellor that could contract to you that you then pay to deliver the counselling. You have the big contract and you still make your profit, but you don't do the direct work unless you want to. You outsource that to somebody that contracts for you. So this is fantastic. Uh, And there are two ways that you can go about creating a model of EAP to market to employers in your area. And the first approach is fee-for-service. So fee for services, where you would say to the employer, do you know what, however many clients come, I'm just going to invoice you per client as they come. That's one option. The other option, and this is the one that I would recommend uh, when you're just starting out and even when you're more experienced, is a retainer option. A retainer option, unlike FIFA service so FIFA service is kind of ongoing, right? Ongoing, there's no end date. But with a retainer, it's usually a six-month or a 12-month retainer. I would encourage you to set up 12-month retainers. Um, and what this does is you say, well, I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to, allocate this many hours a month to deliver eap for your employees now the reason that i like this uh, retainer model is because it guarantees you monthly income whether it's five hundred dollars whether it's five thousand um, dollars but it guarantees you that monthly income irrespective of whether or not you're seeing the clients so it's reliable income for you the other reason that i really like it from a well-being perspective is because statistics show that when an employer signs up to a retainer model that they are more likely to have a higher uptake and we want that to happen because we want people being proactive when it comes to well-being and mental health so the uptake is usually better um, with a retainer model okay Now, speaking of uptake, just so that you know, let's say you you are thinking of becoming an EAP provider and you go and you um, approach an employer and they agree and they say, yes, 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 we'll sign up to your EAP services and we'll start sending you people. No worries. Then you go back to your desk and it's been two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and you haven't received any referrals yet. Don't worry. It's nothing that you have done wrong. In Australia, at the moment, the average uptake rate, that means the average number of employees that are actually going along for counselling, is about 5%. It's higher in the UK and America at around 6 and 7% and also in Australia if you're thinking about which are the areas or industries with the highest and the lowest uptakes the lowest uptake is hospitality followed by manufacturing so maybe if you're just starting out you might find it really slow going um, if they've only got a one and two percent uptake rate so that's really really low you will be Getting barely any referrals from there without doing a lot of heavy marketing and having to have a very heavy presence in the in those workplaces. The the next one that's um, really low uptake is EAPs for small to medium businesses, small to medium sized businesses, SMEs. Um, that's about three percent of employees. So for every hundred employees, you may get about two or three. Coming through for counseling, there. Um, on the flip side of that, the ones that have the highest uptake of around, you know, between five and seven percent are industries including construction, you know, that's a, a huge one. Um, and what else was there? I'm just trying to think what else there was. Oh, um, construction and health health services so health services doesn't mean going to other private practices though of course you could and i'm sure other private practices would be well on board uh seeing the value in having that for for their team you don't provide it for contractors as a private practice owner but you would provide it for any eaps include any um employees sorry including your admin. Or, you know, if you employ a bookkeeper or you employ an accountant uh, or anyone that you employ would be eligible but not a contractor. Um, and then, of course, government. Uh, now, government, EAP, you can absolutely deliver to, but if you're just starting out, no. The reason why is because there are certain requirements um, in their key selection criteria that you will need to meet and you won't meet them if you're just beginning. Um, those key selection criteria include like your business has to have a certain number of uh revenue and, and turnover coming in you need to have x number of years experience delivering eap and da, 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 da. so maybe steer clear of that unless you're a more established private practice in which case go for it um but other health and well well-being places definitely um have a go as long as they're private So that's where the work is and that's where the work isn't. (laughs) Um, But as a contractor to an EAP provider, so if I was – hypothetically, I'm not saying at all that I have this contract, but let's imagine that I have a contract with, I don't know, ABC – Uh, construction and it's this huge contract and they pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to um, provide services to their employees now i might hire you know a thousand of us in the counseling group to deliver those services because we're all located around australia some of us do online some of us face to face so i think i feel like i'm in a really great position to be able to deliver the services that are needed in any given moment But what's going to determine the flow of work is to a counsellor from my side is if I'm getting a whole lot of referrals in Sydney, then of course, all my Sydney counsellors are going to be getting the lion's share of the work. If no one is, you know, needing EAP from Tasmania, then my Tasmania counsellors aren't going to be getting the work. So those Tasmania councillors will be saying, "Oh, don't go and work for Brooklyn because you never get any work," and you know, da 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 da. But the Sydney councillors will be like, "Oh, EAP is fantastic, and I fill my diary from my EAP clients." and I love it so much and it doesn't pay that much at the beginning, but then it converts and it's awesome. It's the best thing ever. So that's what I'm saying. It's not a. It's not about whether you are good or you are not good at your job. It's about where the demand is coming from. Now, maybe the reason there's a big demand in Sydney for uh, EAP with my ABC construction company is because there's been some big accident there. Maybe it's something to do with the floods or, or something like that. But they haven't had that problem over in Western Australia. Do you see what I mean? It's about demand. So when you're working as a counsellor, if you're not getting the work, it'll be because there's no demand or there's very lit, little demand and they're sending uh, referrals to counsellors that have already been on their books and they're already working with or it'll be because your fee is higher than other people in your area. Um, I would, you know, don't undercut, like don't say, well, I'll do it for $20 or anything like that. But um, choose a fee. And, and as I said, psychologists get 60. <laughs> so I would choose a fee and say, look, I'm happy to do it for 60 as well. Um, and you know just wait and see it'll be demand or the fee that you're charging that's going to influence the flow of work that you get as well as your ability to complete the admin work on time so there's a whole lot of admin with eap once you become proficient with it though it's really easy and it will only take you five minutes uh, before or after each session but as you're learning of course there's a learning curve and it's going to take a little bit of time so that's a little bit about EAP. Do I think it's a great idea for counsellors? Absolutely, because it is a way to fill your diary with paying clients in a really easy way because they already know you, like you and trust you. Is it a good idea for counsellors to go and set themselves up as an eap provider and have those direct contracts themselves with employers absolutely and what does that look like well if you're going to do that very quickly <laughs> i'll go over this but if you're going to do that the first thing that you do is you um, work with the employer uh, to conduct an assessment of where the organization where the organisation is at, um, whether or not there are any changes or, you know, what the business is anticipating happening, um, you know, in the next 12 months or 24 months, looking at the mission and vision of that business, making sure the service that you are contracted to provide is going to align with that, looking at the bigger goals of the organisation and, of course, understanding the demographics of that business so wanting to know well if it's in manufacturing um, I'm going to need a copy of the organizational chart I need a copy of the annual report because you want to know um, the data how many men are there how many women are there how many um, people work full-time part-time or contracting where are the operations located from you know where's the warehouse all of those sorts of things so you need to do that and then you use that information to sit down with the employer and map out the goal of eap why is the employer interested what what are the employer's expectations what do they need this to deliver Um, but also you as the provider need to be very clear with the employer about their roles in this so you get to talk to them about your expectations and this is where you say well, I need you to mention at every staff meeting that there is the EAP available and this is how you do it. Or I need you to put me on the agenda once a month to come and speak to everybody. Or I need to be able to know that you're sending out flyers and information to everybody or whatever it is, right? Um, There are other things that you want to do and um, that's when you're making your... uh, program for that particular employer, it's going to be bespoke. It's going to be made and tailored and customized just for them so you're not going to have an eap model that you just say oh well this is my model and i'm just going to try and apply it here apply it there apply it here no you have to identify what the particular needs and goals are um, look at accessibility how people going to be able to access that service do they want phone a lot of the time eap happens on the phone People are at work, they don't want to leave the workplace because they don't want everybody to know that they're having counselling. So you have to look at how people are going to be able to access a service. Um, are they going to be able to, if they want it when they're in work, will you be on site at a particular day or time? How do you feel about that? Or do you want to Zoom or do you want them to be able to leave work and come to you? Um, A lot of the time people don't want to leave work, so you will be required to do after hours and weekends. How do you feel about that? So you need to put all of that in a little bit of a a policy and define the limitations of the role uh, so that everybody's on the same page. Okay. Now, it's going to be on you to uh speak to the employer about how you want them to be raising awareness of EAP, whether that's as part of their onboarding. So maybe talk to them about, um, you know, how do you onboard a new employee? Um, can we include any material here for Um, you know, accessing EAP, uh, how can we encourage word of mouth? Um, Can I deliver training once a month on stress management? Can I record a podcast episode and share it with you? Can I like really think about you're going to have to jump into Canva and make graphics and things like that? Do you want to do a webinar for upper management about the benefits of EAP to them? Like think about what are the goals for management when it comes to EAP? Um, and we'll, and not just EAP, but what are management's KPIs? Well, maybe the managers of ABC Construction are being told they've got to reduce staff turnover. So ask them: Is this a is this a thing for you at the moment? Are you getting you know high staff turnover? Okay, maybe the role of EAP can be to look at why is the staff turnover happening and what can we do from a wellbeing perspective to mitigate this. Um, do you know what I mean? So you're going to be constantly checking in with management about what their goals are because when you can align the EAP with the goals of management, you'll get a much better uptake because then guess what? When management go and they've got a performance manage someone or someone's off sick again or something like that, that manager is motivated. To connect that person with EAP where it's appropriate, so it's really around supporting managers in achieving their goals, helping you achieve your goals, and helping the employees feel better, okay, and function better. Uh, this is also really important if you're in a working for an employer that has a higher level uh, in terms of occupation of things like um. I don't know, insurance claims, work cover, work safe, stuff like that. Um, One of the other things that you'll do when you set up your contract or set up your agreement with the employer is agree on how you want to know, how you want to determine, how you want to measure the success of the EAP. So usually that will... um, be, well, when I was doing it, I was doing six and 12 monthly reports and that included like a little bit of a trend analysis. So uh, I would just jump into Excel and I would tally up how many people came because there were issues with management or issues with turnover or issues with, um, I don't know, clients, you know, stuff like that because one of my contracts was for disability and um, a lot of the employees were working in dementia care. So they were often needing extra support around that, you know, that Assaulted, or there was some issue, and then I had other employees who were working in palliative care who needed support around loss of patients and things like that. So um, I would just jump into XL and whip up, you know, a pie. Chart or a little bar graph of the trends about why people were seeking the service or, you know, times of day or times of the year or the number of people that used all four sessions versus the number of people that only used one, Um, stuff like that. So have a look at all of that. The other thing that you'll want to include when you're um, setting up your, agreement with the employer is you want to include a process for managing any complaints. So, I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen, but it's best practice to have it there as part of the agreement. You need to have some kind of process in place for if a client or even if, uh, you know, an employee of the employer uh, has a complaint about your service and how it's been delivered or something like that. So that needs to be in there, very black and white, and you do need to discuss that so that everyone's on the same page. Otherwise, what's going to happen is it will get really messy. Everyone's going to get involved and you could be at risk of losing your contract. So um, when you do map out your complaints policy, make sure also that it is in alignment with requirements around privacy, confidentiality, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, and that's pretty much it really. I mean, apart from that, once you get it going, I think it's always good for your again, just business head on here always good for yourself and you should be doing it in private practice anyway um, to really include the delivery of your eap as part of your continuous model of improvement uh, for your private practice always looking for feedback or regularly looking for feedback for ways that you could be making it more effective Um, and the only way you're going to do that is by collecting the data regularly and reviewing that okay keeping the lines of communication open with the provider. So, oh, sorry, with the employer. So, I hope that this episode has provided you with some information about how to create an eap service that you can go and market what to include when you have those initial conversations and i hope too if that's not your thing um, that you are going away as a counselor who might be interested in delivering the counseling services for an eap provider okay i hope this really helps thanks so much for listening and i'll talk to you later bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Private Practice with Soul podcast today. If you're looking for clarity, if you need help with branding, your processes and bringing everything into alignment with your soul's purpose for your private practice, head to the show notes and click the link for more information about the Private Practice Monthly Mentorship Group. You are going to love it. I can't wait to see you in there. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.